Now, it's time for the real Monica Adams show. you along. If you're brand new to my show, it's all about positivity. You know, years ago, I started the Triangle of Life Theory, and it has to do with mental, physical, and spiritual health. What is that? 33 and a third percent of each one of them makes up 100 percent of the balance of life. And day in and day out, if you practice that, your life becomes more of that for you and for those around you. Every day, Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., I host a show on Facebook and on YouTube that you can watch and you can listen and you can receive the message. And hopefully it takes you on that path and that journey that you've been seeking. Every Thursday, we then drop a new episode on all of the audio podcast platforms so you can watch and you can see and it can start to change your life. I'm thrilled to have you on board. Please share the message that we're here for you and I hope you enjoy today's episode. We are going to talk. We are honored to talk to someone that I haven't talked to in probably 25 years. In the beginning part of my radio days, I spoke with this man. Do you know the name Mitch Album? You should. Author, screenwriter, playwright, and nationally syndicated columnist. Now, here's the deal. I know you probably know him for the book, Tuesdays with Maury. Do you remember that book? You should. That was one of my favorites. In fact, it was interesting how that all came about. It was just supposed to be a little book that he first put together for a dear, dear friend of his. And then the books kept coming and coming and coming. In fact, there are four of his books, including Maury, The Five People You Meet in Heaven, For One More Day and Have a Little Faith, have been made into highly acclaimed television movies for ABC. He has founded nine charities. We're going to talk about his work in Haiti, but we're going to talk about his brand new book, and that is The Little Liar. You do not want to miss this. Let me tell you what. It is a fascinating book. No, you are lying. They are taking us to die. What? being called his best ever. Let me bring him on. Mitch Album, so good to see you again. I haven't seen you in probably 25 years when we first talked about Tuesdays with Maury. And now this book, The Little Liar, it is out right now. What do you think about all that? Everybody that's saying it's your best ever and you've done so much in your career. Do you feel that? You know, I'm, I'm flattered. I think it's an important book, uh, which, uh, you know, it pleases me if people are finding it good. Uh, but it's something I've actually been planning and thinking about for about 10 years. So I'm glad I finally got a chance to put it out. It's become very timely. And that may be why people 
people say that. I have to say I can't take any credit for that. I started it two years ago. I didn't know the events of the world would be what they would be. Okay, that's what I was going to ask is how long this was in the works. And that's the main thing. I've talked to a couple of people that are in St. Louis or have been for the Jewish Book Festival and leading up to it and all the things that we're seeing happen on the Gaza Strip with Hamas and and Israel, Palestine. They all were saying, I hope that the festival will actually be put on. I hope that we're actually going to be able to do this and, and to not live in fear. Did that ever go through your mind? Well, it goes through my mind all the time now. It's a, it's a dangerous time in America. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I wrote a book that shows that hope and love and forgiveness can actually be the only things that counter that kind of fear, mm-hmm. that kind of lies, that kind of um, uh, anti-Semitism and things like that. So I've always been a more positive person, and I'm just hopeful that uh, there'll be some kind of positive equilibrium that we'll find in this crazy time that's going on right now. Once again, Mitch Album is our guest. You know him for so many books, but today we're talking about this one, The Little Liar. And so to kind of paint the picture for us, it's interesting how deceit and lies and, you know, it's a young little boy that you would want to believe. Why wouldn't you? I mean, he's told something of, yes, let's get our family on here. Jobs are awaiting. And boy, was that not a lie. So to walk us through that. Sure. So it's a book that sort of asks the question, what's the biggest lie you ever told? And what would you do to be forgiven? for that lie. And in this case, it's a little boy who's 11 years old growing up in Greece during World War II. And he has a a little friend who's a girl who has a crush on him and a good family. And he's very happy. And all of a sudden the Nazis invade and they take all of the Jewish people and put them into a ghetto. But because this has never told a lie in his life and he's known his neighborhood as he's incapable of lying, he always tells the truth. The Nazis decide to use him as a weapon and they kidnap him and they say, listen, all you have to do to get back to your family is just do us a little favor. Stand on these train tracks. And when people get on these trains, just help them, tell them they're going to jobs and they're going to to new uh, homes and everything's going to be great. And then we'll put you back to your family. So figuring that, all right, he can do that. And he's telling the truth. He does this day after day for a few weeks until on the last day and the last train. He sees his own family and this girl, Fanny, being shoved into this boxcar and someone screams out that they're taking them to concentration camps and they're taking them to die. And he realized that he's has been tricked into telling this lie to all the people he's loved and cared about. And then he's held back and the trains disappear and he's separated from his family forever. And it follows what happens to him as he tries to deal with the consequences of this lie he was tricked into telling and how he loses the ability to ever speak the truth again. And what happens the course of the next 40 years as the girl and his family who survived the the camps eventually try to find him again to forgive him and to give him redemption. But they can't find him because he's changed his name and he's become a different person. He's moved to another country. So it's a long, epic kind of love story about, you know, will they ever, ever get back together again? And it speaks to the whole idea of, of you know, wanting to be forgiven for what we've done, but also the whole idea of truth and deception and how much damage we do when we don't value the truth. Absolutely. And it take, it intertwines all of this. And, you know, as you go through and you see this play out, it's making you think of your own life. Did I tell what I think was one little lie? Did I believe someone because I thought I could trust? And it's the whole thing of who can we trust and who, you know, who do we have as our circle, right? Yeah, exactly. And uh, you think about the lies that we tell in our lives. How many times have we broken relationships, broken marriages, lost friends, businesses because of that? And 
what are the ramifications of the lies we tell? And what will we do if someone said, well, I'm going to forgive you for that lie, but here, here's what you here's what you have to do for that. And mm-hmm. I just thought that's a very human question. Um, I think it's something we ask ourselves all the time. So I set out to really make a book about that. I didn't know that the book about hate and the story behind it about hate and lies and how people come to rise on hating another people and, and, and terrorizing another people would become so germane to the time that we're in right now. That was a surprise, but that's what everybody's kind of asking me. Maybe one of the reasons that everybody's saying what they are about the book. Well, and they also want hope, Mitch, right? They want to look at what's happening and playing out in our world. And when will it end? We don't even see an end to this. And the unbelievable hate that's not playing out there, but it's playing around all around us, the protests that are going on. I, I Don't you believe that that's, people are looking for hope in this because you're giving them hope. Uh, exactly. And, you know, there's a moment in here where uh, the boy, little boy's name is Nico, mm-hmm. the girl, Annie, and sort of their love story over all those years. Uh, but Nico's family is taken away to these concentration camps. And night after night, despite the awful things that happen during the day, the family gathers together in the dark of night and they whisper their prayers. And the grandfather goes around and says, everybody has to say one good thing that happened today. Now, you're in a concentration camp. There's decidedly few good things that happen during the day. But each person says, well, I had an extra spoonful of soup today. Um, my rotted tooth fell out. The guard who was beating me didn't beat me today. That desire to find something positive in each day and to have hope that tomorrow is going to be better is what keeps human beings alive, is what has, 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 has enabled the human race to endure the worst things that it's had to face, whether it be wars or natural disasters. You have to believe that there's something good tomorrow. Viktor Frankl, who wrote the, the seminal book on, on you know people in the concentration camps, he was one, called A Man's Search for Meaning. He said the people who survived were the people who believed that there was a tomorrow. Mm. And the ones who said it's never, this is hell and every day is going to be like this didn't make it. So hope is, is absolutely um, essential. And I've actually been teased, Monica, over my career that I'm too hopeful. And there was a book critic once who thought that he was taking a swipe at me. And he said, ah, he's just the king of hope. <laughs> and I thought to myself, well, that's a pretty good throne to sit on. I'm all right with that. Uh, so I try to I try to bring that to this book, even against such a hopeless backdrop. I try to bring some hope to the story. Oh, you absolutely do. And um, again, Mitch Album, The Little Liar. Before, I know you have to get to another interview. I'd love to have you on for an hour, but you do okay. a lot of work. I'm okay. I got okay, time. Okay. So you do a lot of work, including the work that you do in Haiti about the people that have become such a big part of your life. And I was watching an interview you did with Hoda on the Today Show about a year ago. You actually brought one of those young girls back and she was only being fed sugar water. Is that correct? Yeah, she's she's screaming outside. If you can hear her, I'm hoping that she does <laughs> So unfortunately, this is a common story in Haiti. You know, we're the second poorest country in the world. I have an orphanage there that I started right after uh, the earthquake in 2010. And I've been there every month of my life since then for the last 14 years. And we have 65 kids. We have 12 of them now in college here in Michigan. We have one in medical school. But the babies keep coming. And one was brought to us, little Nadi. She was six months old and she'd had nothing to drink but uh, to eat but sugar water. Uh, I, I suppose the mother didn't have any money. She, I, apparently she had five other kids, but the baby was so inert. I mean, she couldn't open her eyes. She couldn't move. And we, we didn't know if she was going to live. 
So we were able to race her back here to the States, thanks to some help we got there. And we put her on a nutrition program and we waited and please, you know, let there not be any brain damage or, you know, let her be able to develop. And weeks went by and we weren't sure and the doctors weren't sure or anything. And you talk about hope mm-hmm. in a hopeless situation, but she began to make noise and she began to start to move around. And now she's been with us for a year and a half. And, uh, you know, she just, I was just holding her just before I came downstairs and, and, uh, she she was saying, Dada, glasses, Dada, tree, Dada. She was pointing at every single thing and pointing them out. And I mean, I want to cry every time yeah. she says a word because you see what might have been and then you see what's possible. And in many ways, you know, the kids inspired the little liar. You know, it's about kids mm-hmm. uh, in the beginning. And it starts with the children and the trauma that children feel. Because I, I think when we see when we see the emotions, you know, and the effects that lying or hate or war have on children, somehow we're more sensitive to it than if we just tell a story about adults. And and as I get older, Monica, adults make less and less sense to me anyhow. Just Amen. children are the, about the only thing that makes sense. Children and pets, Mitch. Children and pets, right? I mean, we, yeah. we should learn so much from the unconditional love that they give, the way they look at you and just try to mirror everything. And that's the thing that adults need to remember is they're constantly watching you. So watch the hate that you do to each other. You know, give them more hope. One of the things in here, you talk about a world of light and dark. And it's so powerful because it all it also depends on how are we looking at the world? Who are we surrounding ourselves with? Are we giving hope, like I said, passing it along, right? Exactly. You know, that time. Uh, and, and by the way, the, the book is fictional characters, but everything that happens in it is true. Yeah. So some of the most amazing, I mean, that, that actually was true. The Nazis did use Jewish people to lie to their own people. The Nazis lies were so incredible. Uh, they would actually tell these Jewish people who they had herded into a ghetto, who had taken their businesses, taken their homes, taken their right to go to school, taken their right to even get on a bus. And then they were taking them to these trains and lying to them about, oh, you're going to new jobs. You're going to new. They'd actually said, give us all your money. Give us your Greek money because it's not going to be good where you're going. And we're going to give you a receipt. And this receipt, when you get to where you're going, you just give it to the people and they'll give you all new Polish money. And people did it because in our hearts, we want to trust people. And if somebody knows how to abuse that trust and the Nazis abuse trust more than anybody else, um, they're going to they're going to succeed for a long time until someone stands up to them. And yes. so we need to be very careful about happy truth. And that's a cautionary tale of the book. In fact, the book is told by truth. If, if you'll indulge me two seconds, Please. Uh, the, the reason that I did that, because someone asked me, why, why are you using the narrator as truth? It's because the book begins this way. You can trust the story you're about to hear. You can trust it because I am telling it to you, and I am the only thing in this world you can trust. I am the shadow you cannot outrun, the mirror that holds your final reflection. I am truth. And this is a story about a boy who tried to break me. And I thought, well, who wouldn't want to read a book that begins like that? You know, I would. (laughs) So um, I thought by telling it in the voice of truth, who narrates this whole story, truth gets to say periodically throughout the book, look what you did. Look what you're doing. Look how you're breaking me apart. You know, you're, you're breaking my heart. I'm, I'm the purest of, of virtues. And look how you abuse me day after day. And, and it's true. We do. And so we ask that question, you know, how many lies do you tell in your life? And how precious do you hold the truth? And that's why truth gets to tell the story. 
Absolutely. It's so funny. So many people in here, Mitch, are saying, I knew you were going to say that. I knew you weren't going to get this. I knew you were going to make me buy the book. <laughs> yes, you have to buy the book to find out. Mitch Album, The Little Liar, and you're wrapping up the Jewish Book Festival. Yes, I'm coming into St. Louis. I love coming to St. Louis. I've been there many, many times uh, for books, and it seems to be a very good reading town. I've done the library events there. Uh, I know that I can't remember the specific name of the library, but I remember it was huge. And and uh, I'm very much looking forward to talking to the group. We do a whole presentation. Uh, you know, uh, and I don't just stand there and read from the book. I tell all stories. I talk about Tuesdays with Maury. And in fact, you know, there's a lot of Tuesdays with Maury in this book. I've always felt, Monica, that ever since Tuesdays with Maury, every book that I've written, I've written 10 now, has a slice of Tuesdays with Maury. And I can't help it. It's not like I'm doing it on a purpose. <laughs> it's just that I learned so much during that time. And, and now I sort of want to kind of put that back in my books. And in, and in this particular book, um, forgiveness is the, is, was the theme that I took from Maury because when I was sitting with him and he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease, he said to me, you know, he told me a story about a friend that he had had who they had gotten in a little squabble and then the friendship had kind of broken. And then he just found out that his friend had died a few months earlier and he started to cry so deeply. And he said, why did I let that nothing argument separate us all these years. It, it's, it's meaningless to me now. All I wish is that I could hold his hand, tell him what a good friend he was, and I can't, and I never will. And he looked me square on, and he said, Mitch, forgive everybody everything, and then forgive yourself. You know, for all the times you beat yourself up in life, I wasn't this, I wasn't that, I should have been better, I should have been thinner, I should have been more successful. He said, because when you get to where I am, you're going to wish you were nicer to yourself, and you're not going to care what those fights were with those other people. All you're going to care is about is that they're in your life. So forgive everybody, everything. And this book is, is so much about Nico trying to seek forgiveness and his, the girl trying to find him to forgive him. Because we all think, we all know about like, like we need forgiveness. We all want to be forgiven. But we also want to forgive. People don't realize that. We have a need to forgive. Until we forgive other people, we're holding kind of an anger or a hate that, that poisons us. Yes. It's like, a, you know, you, you don't want to forgive someone else. You're actually not forgiving yourself. And so finding these two people trying to get to each other to forgiveness is a big part of the story and comes from Tuesdays with Maury, ironically. You know, and I know one of the things that you had mentioned in, in an interview about a year ago is how much Maury on a daily basis or probably by a second by second basis is forever still guiding you. You always say that he's right here on your shoulder. Yeah. Well, he used to say to me, Pretend that there's a little bird on your shoulder and every day you get up, you turn to it and you say, is this the day I die, little bird? And of course, every day of your life, you're going to get a no answer except one day. But be prepared, live your life as if you're going to hear a yes, today's the day. And are you going to, when you say that, is your reaction going to be, oh my God, wait, we got to do, I got to do all these things yet. I haven't got, I, I got to start being a nicer person. I got to start seeing my family. I got to start helping other people if it's, it's going to be too late on that day that you get that yes. And so I've always had that image of a bird on your shoulder. And now as it's decided, it turned out, it just ends up being Maury on my shoulder. <laughs> Instead, I don't get a bird. He got a bird. I got a little old man who, who's, who's constantly telling me, you know, uh, are you doing this? Are you doing that? You know, you have to live right. And, uh, but it, it, Monica, honestly, I never really talked about this, but it's been such a blessing to be burdened by that, if you know what I mean. Because mm -hmm. before I saw him, I was very just ambitious and interested in my own career and my own, you know, my idea of charity was writing a couple checks a year. 
And ever since that time, and all the people who come up to me after Tuesdays with Maury on a daily basis and say, my mother died of cancer, and last thing we did was read your book together, or I had my own Maury here. Here's, here's a photo of him. Let me show you my Maury. We used to meet every Friday. Because I hear those stories every day, I can never get out of his class, which is a good thing because mm -hmm. his class reminds me to be good and to be caring and to know that other people hurt just as you're hurting and and to put things in perspective and to keep family in perspective and to know that, you know, death ends a life, but not a relationship. But you have to build those relationships while you're here if you want them to go on. So it's been a real blessing uh, of a curse, so to speak, uh, to have, you know, a little Maury on my shoulder and all the people who talk to me because I think it makes me a better person. Um, how, many, and how many years has he been gone? 20, uh, uh, what is it, 28. 28. Wow. And just powerful of how he continues to guide and what a blessing it has been for us to be able to get the fruits of the labor. Like you said, and it's very indicative of so many of us in this field, Maury, is that you get into it and you just rush, rush, rush through life. You lose yourself. I actually said I was going to talk a little bit about that today after we wrapped up with you is that you, you just kind of lose yourself in the business. And then before you know it, these people, you're getting a phone call that friends have passed and you're like, well, where did I lose myself in all this? And rushing after the Emmys, rushing after the awards, right? Right, right. By the way, you just called me Maury, so you see it. Oh, happens. oh my gosh! <laughs> no, it happens. I get that all the time, you know. So don't. I'm don't talking to Maury right now. <laughs> yeah, but but I always have to say to people, no, I'm not Maury. He was the smart one. Remember, I was the stupid kid asking the questions, uh, which I still feel like that. But I know exactly. He's on what my shoulder now. <laughs> yeah, now, now you're we're both burdened. Uh, uh, but. Um, I know what you're saying, and, and it's not just in the media business. You know, I think everybody has their own version of that. You could be in the tractor sales business. You could be in the insurance business. It sweeps you up. The world sweeps you up, and especially in America, it sweeps you up. And, 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 and this phone thing, you know, and I'll tell you, the best, the best antidote for me is that once a month, I spend a week or longer in Haiti with kids who have no phones and no television, no computers. They're patient because they don't, have, they don't have anything to steal their patients. And they sit and they talk. And of course, they have nothing. It is the second poorest country in the world. We have children who were found under trees, left in the woods to die. We have children who were dropped off at nutrition clinics and no one ever came back for them. And they lived always. We have children who were found in holes in the ground in the mud after, after a flood and all their parents were gone. And they were just living under a piece of tin. And Kids who come to us when they, you know, weigh like naughty, you know, six pounds. We had a three-year-old that came to us weighing 10 pounds. Can you imagine a three-year-old boy, three years old, weighing 10 pounds? That kind of poverty, that kind of difficulty in life, we don't know here in America. And when you go and see it every month, you come back and, and, and you have to say, okay, this is not a problem. You know, whether I get an Emmy or not is not exactly. a problem. Uh, whether I sell a gazillion books or five books, it's not a problem. That's a problem. Yes. You know, not will I eat is a problem. And I'm glad to have that perspective in my life. It helps a lot. Well, we talk a lot on this show. We, you know, I walked away from television, uh, Mitch, because I was done with the negativity. I was like, how, why are we waking people up? And this is how we're starting their day. Let's give them hope. Let's give them positivity. Let's give them incredible stories. And a lot of it is get out of your own way and see what's going on in the world and see what you can do about it. And I, I just, I love the hope that you bring in this book. Again, 
reintroducing this Mitch album. Again, it's called The Little Liar and just adore you. Let's not make it 25 years before we talk again. <laughs> I, I think I'm pushing the envelope if we do that. So yeah, maybe two years from now, I'll have another book. We'll talk then. Let's definitely not wait 25. Exactly. Well, you can go to his website as well. Here it is. It's MitchAlbum.com. And you can see the tons and tons and tons of books. My favorites, again, of course, Tuesdays with Maury, but also the five people you meet in heaven, the next person you meet in heaven, the first phone call from heaven. It's all those things that we think about is who could we talk to? I mean, I always say on a regular basis, Mitch, I lost my father when I was uh, 24, just getting into the biggest part of the beginning of my career. And I talked to him just like you do with Maury. I talk to my dad on a daily basis. He's right here and guiding and guiding and guiding. We, we have to open up in our minds a little bit more to hear the whispers. Yeah, but obviously he spent enough time, even in those short 24 years, having that effect on you yes. that you can hear his voice. I always look at it as like you put a penny in a piggy bank. For all intents and purposes, the penny's gone, right? You'll never see it again. It's lost forever, right? But if you take the piggy bank and you shake it, you can hear it. And that's what we're like sort of after we're gone. You know, we're not here. We can't touch. We can't. But shake up the memories. And it's as if the people are right there. But you have to make those memories while you're here if you expect them to go on. No one's going to remember you if all they remember is that you left in the morning early to get to work or you said, don't bother me now because, you know, I'm, I'm working on later, later, later. If, 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 if the phrase that came out of your mouth that everyone remembers you for is later, yep. it's not a good thing. No. You know, uh, so later has to become now. And, uh, you know, I try to put that in, in my books and I, I certainly put it in this one because the now of of, of living under those circumstances um, is never more important. And it's something we ought to keep about keep in mind today, I think. Well, thank you so much. Mitch Album, The Little Liar, MitchAlbum.com. So you can get your own copy and uh, follow along also to all the great things that he's doing. Mitch, thank you so much. You have been an absolute pleasure. Oh, it's a joy to see you, Monica. Thanks so much. Again, as Mitch just said, making memories last with the people who love you the most. We'll have more on that when we return. Think about this. When's the last time you called your doctor at two o'clock in the morning and he actually answered? Well, at Innovare Health Advocates, their patients are special. Their doctors, nurse practitioners, their care team care deeply about your health, your family, your work, and even your pet. Their clinicians are accessible and they lead your care in and out of the hospital. In fact, Dr. Charles Willie offers his cell phone number to his patients to ensure they can intervene early in your illness. They can provide care above and beyond, offering lab, x-ray, echocardiogram, and other treatments in their office. Innovare Health Advocates with five locations on both sides of the river. Check them out, innovarehealth.com. Well, welcome back. I was visiting for a little bit there with Mitch. He was intrigued and he said fascinated by the fact that we're running a live show with commercials five days a week. That's what he was just saying. And I was like, but I got to get back on. <laughs> I got to get back to all of you. So it's nice to know that someone who is so well-respected in the business, and we've been hearing this a lot, by the way, uh, Martin Fletcher, who was on with us, Rebecca Minkoff, who was on with us, and all of the guests that we've had on since we started back on March 1st. The guests really came in May and then definitely from June 12th on 
on. They've all said the same thing. They love what we're doing. And I love the fact that you are coming day in and day out and that you are wanting the same thing that we're providing, which is, again, all that hope that he talked about, you know, getting out of our own way. I mentioned that I would talk a little bit about that today and losing yourself. And sometimes that's, you know, I see myself and I've got to be checked by my friends and my family to say, Monica, you're doing just what Mitch just said, running, 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 going, 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 working. I mean, but that's kind of what happens when you take on that uh, entrepreneurial aspect of life, right? Think of all of you that want to take that leap. And then you say, how much really can I do before it's just all I'm doing is working, 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 getting up crazy early, maybe giving a kiss to your spouse, saying hi to your kids, feeding the dogs, and then you just immerse yourself in business, business, business. I think one of the most powerful things, and I got a chill when he said it, was they're not going to remember you for the, you know, later, later, but the memories that you create with those that you love the most. And that's really, I feel, and I've been saying prayers, you know, I always talk about starting the day with intention. And today it was to shift. That's my word today was, was shift, shift, Monica. Yes. Yes. You're going to host the show. Yes. You've got to, you know, you're, you're booking these incredible guests and boy, have they have been amazing, but I have to thank those around me, right? It's the relationships I've made over the years because people have been asking me, Monica, where are you getting all of these guests from? And I said, well, it's the blessings of all the years that I have worked with amazing people. And it's the power of networking, by the way. It's important for you to network. It's important for you to talk to people that don't maybe look like you, act like you, different cultures. That way you can bring so many to the table. And then that way you're everyone's seeing themselves in the guests that I have, right? Um, some publicists that I've worked through, uh, worked with over the years, dear friends that I've made that were business contacts that then turned into dear friends. That is where all of this is coming from. And then just incredible relationships. And then guests that we've had on that I think are so powerful that I want them to return. In fact, as Mitch and I were talking at the commercial break, I said, I'd love for you to come on anytime you want to. And he's like, look, it's this easy. I, I can walk right down and do it. I wonder if he will start something like this on his own because he was so intrigued of what we were what we were doing. I mean, how how incredible does that make us feel of what we're doing here in St. Louis? A small dream that becomes a medium dream that becomes a large dream to just keep going and going and going. But when you go, 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 you also have to build around you. It's the importance of building around you of people who will say, hey, yes, but you need to slow down. It's all about what do you see for yourself? What do you think is possible? What can you do? That's what calms me. That's what slows me down and makes me say, yes, you've got a vision, but you've got to live your life on purpose. And you've got to have a balance. You know, we always talk about that balance. And so many times I find myself going, you're preaching it, Monica, but are you doing it, right? It's it's what are you giving to the world that can also be the best for you? And that's the, one of the things that I want you to remember, okay? That's, that's the power of it all. So it's not just, of course, my incredible husband, but it's also the memories that you create with those that you love the most. Okay. We've been doing this for a while, right? The blueprint for value. So today is 47. It's emotions. Feelings are okay. Having an emotion is not wrong. It does not mean something's wrong with you. If you allow your emotions to drive your actions, they can distract your mind and affect your body. They can even result in a physical ailment. Instead of labeling them positive or negative, right or wrong, stop, breathe, 
Take the emotion out of the driver's seat and find out where it's coming from. What expectation, desire, need, or want is being met or maybe not being met? Your feelings are markers. Use them to discover essential information about yourself. So the takeaway from this is emotions can be effective advisors, but often make poor drivers. Take back control. Don't let driving emotions deplete your personal worth account. I love that we've come together for the last several months and read from this book. And Jeff loves, of course, the fact that we're doing it. It just organically happened. And these are the kind of things I'm talking about. You never know what we're going to do on this show. And I started this show right here in this office back in March and said, what do you want me to cover? And I'm back to that again, because I want more of this, of you and I together, spending time together. I want to sprinkle in guests. And then I want to have a lot of the show where it's just us. So what topics would you like for me to cover? What do you think I can cover that will help change your life? And one of the things I want to leave you with is this. I'm going to be honest with you. I have lost myself. I think a lot over the last couple of years. Um, I haven't put myself first, as I've always told each and every one of you to do. I do, and then I pull back. And and I love my friend Janice, Janice for saying just this. She said that she met with a bunch of friends and they were looking at pictures of our event, the event that we had at Clayton Winehouse. And her friend said, gosh, she just looks like she exudes positivity. She looks beautiful in that dress, whatever. And she, they asked, they asked her, does she have any flaws? And I'm like, oh, come on. We're all imperfect human beings. And they're like, no, they, they thought the world of you. But Janice responded and said, yes, she does. And I was like, oh, what is the one you see? And she said, a people pleaser. And I was like, gosh, am I still? And I love the fact that you called me out on that because yes, I have forever been that, but I thought I backed off a bit and I thought I put myself first. And uh, yeah, you called me on it. And I, for that, I will forever love you. Thank you. Because I have to remember, Monica, take care of you. Get your proper nutrition. Remember to eat, drink your water. I went and got my blood drawn yesterday. And what's the first thing out of the nurse's mouth? She said, did you drink water? And I said, yeah, I think so. I think I was so wrapped up in making sure that I fasted, making sure I didn't eat anything. So that it was a truly fasted lab work. And I guess she could tell in my veins. And she's like, remember, you can always drink water though when you're fasting. And I was like, okay, Monica, drink. Mm. There you go. Like a child, drink your water, drink, eat properly, move, get your own exercise in. And that's where I'm going to say I've lost myself. I don't exercise anywhere near. In fact, I have my membership at Lifetime Fitness and I don't think I've been there at all this month. If I have, it's once in 16 days. I boxed with my clients last night. So I'm getting my workouts in as I, as I have them follow me in class, but nope, I lost myself. And so today my intention is to shift. And there's actually two words for me, to shift. And then I'm going to do that triangle. And the first is can you believe it? Physical is going to make it to the top of my triangle because I need my workout. I need to walk those dogs. I need to get out into this beautiful nature and get some vitamin D. I need to get the calmness and the clarity. So it's going to be physical for me, then mental, and then spiritual. My spirit and my connection to God and, and dad is so powerful right now. Um, that spirit is actually nearing the end or near the bottom of my triangle that I've got up top. Physical, physical, mental, physical, mental. Got to put them together. And then who knows what my gratitude will be at the end of this evening. But forever <clears throat> it is to do this day in and day out. Intention, triangle of life, gratitude. I've been doing that. I've been meditating. I forever pray, but we all get lost. And I just wanted to address that today. We're all human beings. And please stop the, the drive and the need for perfection. We are imperfect. We will forever be. And when we take that perfectionism out of it, it's the most powerful thing that can happen for you to truly start living. Today, I'm back on track. Today, 
it is the shift that is needed. Absolutely needed. So I'm being honest with you. I'm being raw. And I hope that you will do the same. The more we do that, the more we show that, by the way, in the world, uh, the happier we're going to be. We take the filters off, take the masks off, be the version of yourself you want to become and stop the fakeness. Okay. We need more of you to say, I am the real version of whoever you are. I love you all so much. We couldn't do this show without each and every one of you showing up and boy, do you. So thank you each and every one of you. Remember it's another brand new day. Go out, be anything you want to be in this world, but please, before you're anything, be kind. God bless you. Thank you again for tuning in to another episode of The Real Monica Adams Show. And I hope that you take just one thing from today's show. Remember, it's small changes that amount to the large ones that you've been seeking in your life. If you've been suffering from mental health, depression, anxiety, fear, PTSD, you have to start small. But I'm giving you the tools on my show each and every day, again, on Facebook and YouTube, and then listening to the message on this audio podcast platform. If there's a show you would like for me to do, a particular topic, do me a favor, shoot me an email, info at therealmonicaadams.com, and I will take care of that for you. Thank you again for tuning in today, and we will see you very soon. Mm-hmm.